Hello, everybody. Welcome back to your Heart in the Paint NBA podcast, the only NBA podcast that asks the hard questions about the NBA. I'm your host, Matt, and again, joined by Michael on this wonderful 11-12. That's right. We missed 11-11 by one day. And we've got some uh, interesting developments going on in the NBA right now. A lot of unintentional, unfortunate injuries kind of hampering a lot of the early excitement as long as the uh, sort of midway football season taking a lot of the press time away from basketball. And uh, yeah, we'll just hop right into it. But before we get started with any of that, let's give a special shout out to our sponsor for this episode of Heart in the Paint podcast. Uh, That is uh, Modelo. So you might know Modelo for their imported beer brewed in mexico uh, ever since 1925 it's a golden full of flavored pilsners pilsners (laughs) can't fucking speak (laughs) wow this is why live reads are bad anyways uh be be sure to drink responsibly head over to modelo.com and use our promo code hard in the paint for 10 percent off your first order and if you're like me Needed a few of those to get through the uh, Dallas-Boston game from last night. But before we get into all that, let's hop right into uh, a little bit of Golden State drama. You know, now that Steph is uh, not on the court all the time, he's kind of more free to speak about things. And, um, of course, he had a hand surgery about a week ago. Expected to be out for probably 90% of the year. They haven't technically ruled him out yet, but... You know, I'd, I'd be kind of surprised if he's going to show up just based on how rough they're doing right now. Um, so this leads into really the first, I'd say, bad surprise of the season, which is how bad Golden State has been even before the Steph injury. And it is leading many NBA figures to say that Golden State should just tank the rest of the season. Don't worry about bringing Clay back. Don't worry about bringing Steph back. Might as well tank. And it's even been compared to the David Robinson Spurs year where they got Tim Duncan as the number one pick the next year. And then, the, of course, their legacy after that. What do you think about this, Michael? you think it's time to tank for the Warriors or you think there's still time to turn the ship around? I can't believe we're talking about tanking three weeks into the season. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, it really is. Three weeks. <laughs> but they, they gave mean, up like 50 points to the Suns in one quarter. I get it. I mean, actually, it's funny. So as of today, Golden State is actually... So the uh, the 7 o'clock East Coast games have not kicked off yet as we're recording this. So technically, Golden State is the worst team in the league at 2-9. and nine. Yeah, that's that's not anyone's preseason predictions right there. I mean, Behind the goddamn Knicks. <laughs> And the Grizzly. But the Knicks, the team that is, like, legitimately trying to fucking tank. Oh, my God. This is insane. No, I don't think they should tank. Uh, Only just for – it keeps it competitive. I would rather that the Golden State doesn't just try to, like, strategize again, get the number one pick, and then everybody bitches about that. I would rather they actually gave a fuck and see if they can develop some talent. Or uh, basically just grind a gear on D'Angelo Russell and then 
trade him. You know what I'm you know what I'm saying? Like you might as well just try and get some trade value on D'Angelo Russell. Like how is tanking gonna help uh potential suitors for D'Angelo Russell? I don't know. Yeah. So that's a very good point. I think that's uh something they should consider, especially with, you know, it was his first all star last year and he kinda took the reins up in Brooklyn once you know, a couple injuries piled in and this, that, and the other. Of course, the East was much easier to do well in. Didn't have such a point guard-laden all-star team. However, you know, I'm not uh, not so sure tanking would be a good look just as a... Uh, well, it seems kind of smart basketball-wise, I think. Does it? The Knicks did not get the number one pick. True. I mean, the odds did change. However... I think staying like in that bottom five is seems to be worthwhile for the lottery at least. However, I think it looks real bad considering that, you know, they just got that brand new arena. Everyone's bitching about how high the ticket prices are and everything. And, you know, they moved to the nice side of town because they won so many rings and now they just instantly suck. It's like some weird divine karma. Yeah. (laughs) Raiders watch out. Don't go to Vegas. I mean the the case okay so the, there's kind of like the the double case of why they should tank right it's one of the pros one you get a let's say a top 4 pick i don't know how, actually i haven't looked at how deep this upcoming draft is so i have no idea i'm just i'm just ballparking let's say top 4 pick and then let's say Steph and Clay come back healthy all right a number you know a a, a top 4 pick plus splash brothers plus Draymond you might you know you probably got something to go with or you pair. So that's like option A. Option B is basically you tank, you get the top four pick. Then you have a top four pick and D'Angelo Russell, which you can then flip into something bigger. Um, that's how I would know, do like, it. I think like Kevin Durant. Yeah. Or, or like Giannis, you know, that'd be, a, that'd be a good trade. Or Kevin Durant. Or uh, Kawhi Leonard when he leaves the Clippers next year. Right. Anthony Davis, he's only got a one-year flyer. Yeah, Paul George when he leaves again in one year, gets injured <laughs> do you yet think again. They... Do you think the the Warriors can open up a door where they could try to get like not on the court talent, but like off the court talent? They can get like they send the the top four pick in D'Angelo Russell to like Houston in return for like all their analytics department. I mean, imagine, like, the analytics guys from Houston saying jack up threes, but with the Splash Brothers. <laughs> or can we do the other trade of they somehow ship him over to New York, like the Knicks, and then they get <laughs> their whole front office? <laughs> They're just the next shit show of the NBA for the next 20 years? God, I can't believe that. So the other thing is, like, Draymond is also on this team. And I think everybody's just discounting the fact that Draymond is, uh, I don't want to say washed, but I think everybody's saying that like he is past his athletic prime. Do people just, do, do they just not have confidence in D'Angelo Russell and Draymond Green and Steve Kerr as a coach to be able to do anything with this team? I think a lot of it is just they have no defense, it seems like. And, you know, they don't really have like a, a shot blocker in the paint. I mean, they have like Willie Cauley Stein, but you know, he's not. Well, even Looney's like out, right? 
Yeah, so I mean they're they're very stretched thin. I mean they have no wing I mean, defenders now. G- yeah, they're basically G leaguers. But it's it's like you know when LeBron James rolls into town, it's just Draymond, and that's that's all you got for you know him, AD, and Dwight all at the same time. Uh, so what door do you think this opens up for possible D'Angelo Russell trades? You think this makes the Minnesota trade far more likely? Um, I mean, it's not like they really have any assets, right? I mean, Draymond is obviously signed to uh, an extension, and then they have D'Angelo Russell, and then Steph Clay, I don't think they're going to move those guys. Um, But this whole thing was basically on the context of Steph, Draymond, and then you're just going to add in D'Angelo Russell and see as far as you can go, but uh, that plan is basically shot, so where do they kind of go forward D'Angelo Russell because that was always basically on the sneaky back burner was that it was just a trade waiting to happen yeah that's a tough call now because like you said what do they give up like it's just D'Angelo Russell and maybe like this Eric Paschal guy that just scored like 35 points in one game uh I don't know I would be I'd be down with a Wiggins trade for him I feel like that's a fair trade you know Golden State hasn't had a premier small forward in quite some time. They could use one. What if they kept the pick? I'm assuming that they're going to tank and uh, be really shitty. Um, what if they kept the t- the pick uh, and then flip the pick and D'Angelo Russell for Bradley Beal? Just have three like shooting guards. I, I don't know if that's worth your pick. Guard, but... Like, I don't know if I don't know if D'Angelo and the oh, fourth really? pick is worth a Bradley Beal. I feel like they kind of do the same thing. What about Carl Anthony Towns? Yeah, he might be looking to get out of the Minnesota situation, depending on how it goes. I mean, I know they're off to a pretty pretty solid start, but the second best player is Andrew Wiggins. So, I mean, context matters. Very true. Yeah. I think it'd be cool to see D'Angelo and Cat together on the same team. So I think the Wiggins one would be where my head's at. But, like, who the fuck wants to trade for Wiggins? So, <laughs> like, uh, you know, you're kind of you're kind of trying to make the best of a, of a bad roll of dice here. And <laughs> it just, oh, Like, you kind of want to feel bad for him, but then you're like, okay, you know, how many times have you skated by in the playoffs because the other team's been injured? Like, all right, you finally came back to bite you in the ass for a year. Like... He'll get over this. Uh, what do you think the chances are that the Knicks get involved in a stupid trade where they end up taking D'Angelo Russell and they give Golden State a bunch of their uh, power forward expiring contracts? Because all those guys are basically on one-year contracts outside of Julius Randle, which is actually a good situation for the Knicks uh, just so that with a lot of cap space and probably another good lottery pick next year. But I could also see them just completely fucking it up and giving all of those uh, expiring contracts to Golden State. So Golden State would then have a top four pick and a bunch of expiring with cap space and then get Stephen Clay back. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Maybe if they fire their coach for no particular reason, (laughs) which is the the other pressing news. It's fucking weird, man. (laughs) It's not his damn fault. 
How else do you play five power forwards at the same time? I I just don't get it. It's oh my god. I, I don't know. Maybe you go like Frankie Smokes plus Taj Gibson for like D'Angelo Russell, <laughs> and you play Frankie Smokes at small forward and pretend he's Iguodala. Uh, what if you package Fultz? Actually, just Fultz for D'Angelo Russell. That seems like a pretty straight up. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Let's do it. <laughs> so the other thing that comes into play with this is uh, Steph having this hand injury. How do you think, or do you think this will affect his shooting form uh, next year and basically for the rest of his career? Do you think this could have long-lasting impacts? So much like Kevin Durant and his Achilles injury, where we don't truly know if we're going to get the same Kevin Durant back. Do you think there might be some lingering uh, issues with Steph's shooting form from here on out? I think there's definitely a little bit of risk, I think, on the scale of, you know, NBA player injuries. I think, uh, you know, I don't know exactly which part of his hand he broke, but I would imagine that uh, you know, like the Achilles or the ACLs or the, you know, ankle ligaments and those things are mm-hmm. a lot harder to come back from just because you're running, you're jumping, your shot comes from your feet, you know, and your legs, and the hands are really just more of like the rifle barrel. They're just kind of guiding you there. Um, and I would imagine that he would like in terms of just rehabbing that and how much it would impact his shooting form. Like, I don't know. It feels pretty straightforward to me. He just needs to get a fuckload of reps up with it. You know, it's like he can still run around the court pretty well. I mean, even if his shot sucks, like let's say he comes out and he shoots like James Harden bad, like 20% from three people are still going to guard him from 35 feet anyways. That's true. He's going to be fully runnable. So, I mean, (laughs) and he can still pass like, really well and i mean maybe his handles are going to get a little worse too because his you know hand dexterity might not be there anymore but uh i mean like if you're not going to guard steph at 35 feet like even coming off a hand injury i mean that's just like inexcusable almost so i don't know i don't think it'll be that bad personally do you think this is a blip or do you think this is a trend that golden state will basically end up at the bottom of the league. Do you think it's the early season just kind of shaking itself out, or do you think this is uh, the narrative for the season? I, I think it's going to be the, the season. I think you can you can book it in now, fly home, don't worry about it, sell your tickets now, resell them. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, in terms of, like, the long term, you know, is this just the tip of the iceberg of the uh, – decline back in a warrior's mediocrity for the next 20 years uh, maybe i i'd say like maybe there's a 30 percent chance that's the case so with steph's hand broken what do you make of gordon hayward's hands i i missed the uh memo on this one what happened to him exactly he basically also has a hand injury oh. to his non non-shooting hand though i think mm. So he's basically out for a little while. Just when he was, I mean, I, I don't say he was Gordon Hayward, but he was. Yeah, but he had a really uh, good game, like uh, season yeah. high or career high in points. Career or high, yeah. yeah. 
39, so, yeah. But what a bummer to come handy. He's starting to get like his, his his swingman vibe back a little bit. Uh, but he's let me see. I think his hand. I mean, I don't know what game he entered it in, but basically, he's not going to be out for like 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 Steph like a whole season. But I mean, it could be like until Christmas or thereabouts, uh, depending on how rehab goes. So it could be like you're talking like three months. No, Christmas is like okay, two months. Away. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's like uh, probably at the probably at the most like worst case probably G- like end of January, best case probably like earlyish December, so somewhere around the kind of Christmas time period I think. I'd say I'd say non shooting hand is a that's an acceptable injury. I mean you know people have sprained fingers and you know I think. Some other guys, like, uh, some pretty bad sprains happened this week, too, for a couple other guys, like like Shamit and uh, somebody else, too. I'm freaking off the top of my head. But, you know, these are these kind of month and a half, two and two and a half month kind of setbacks where you figure out, all right, who's going to be our eighth man? Who's going to be our ninth man? And luckily, the Boston scenario, just like last year and the year before, <laughs> they've got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to be Gordon Hayward. So no problems there for the Celtics. Do you think this is a bigger injury to kind of his psyche? Since obviously he had the, the weird uh, uh, leg injury uh, two years ago. And then obviously last year he was basically never himself. And then... It's like, okay, maybe with Kyrie gone and, uh, you know, a little bit of a clean deck and, you know, full, uh, you know, season kind of under his belt after the injury. And then this just kind of, do you think it'll affect him mentally? I don't know the way he's I look not at that it. Old. He's not, I mean, I think he's like 28, 29. I mean, so it's not like he's, uh, It'll definitely impact his League of Legends uh, MMR, (laughs) so that's important. Uh, But I think it's not, like, maybe it's a bit of a bummer because it is a setback for when he was starting to click again, but I don't know if it's such a mental damaging thing just because it's not, you know, another, it's not like he injured his ACL on his opposite knee from his broken leg or he's got some, like, Paul George torn shoulder labrum thing going on or like a derrick rose where it just be do you think this could be like a derrick rose thing though where it just uh you know you just keep picking up like another thing every year to the point that i mean it just grinds away your talent Mm. i don't i i think it's not that that sort of thing i think the hand is more of a a one-off kind of a fluke thing you know it's it's not not even that long term of an injury, you know. It's not. It's not another lower body injury, which is, I think, the most important part. So, I think he'll be okay. Uh, Zach Collins has a shoulder injury, and he will be out for pretty much a good portion of the season. Yeah. Uh, so, what should Portland do? Because no Nurkic, no Nurkic insurance, and Zach Collins, and that just kind of leads to the white side. Yeah, and white side has been. On blast from Shaq about... He's been bad. He's been bad. <laughs> yeah, he he looks like he's just going through the motions out there. Like, 
it's like 20 like 2013 Dwight Howard almost just like not <laughs> impactful <laughs> like oh he's uh, got a big gonna, name that's a good one I was actually gonna say Roy Hibbert in those playoff games where he would have like zero points on like one rebound oh it's just like how just yeah, like how does how is he just by being on the court not able to get you know what I mean just with Willard and McCollum kind of providing you with the assist game. I just don't understand how he's not. Trash and... I just don't understand how Whiteside isn't getting like eighteen and twelve every night. Ah, uh, eighteen and twelve seems like a lot. I'd say like twelve and eighteen, but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It seems like he needs to be kind of like the, uh, like the Rudy Gobert of this team almost. Just be like the the defensive anchor, and he's just not. I think he's uh. Yeah, even his Snapchat has been pretty lackluster the past <laughs> past couple months. So I'm I'm worried that you know he's might be on his way out. Like that's just not for how big of a name he was in those like last couple Dwayne Wade heat years. Uh, he's really falling off the cliff. Do you think Portland should, uh, in the words of uh, Woj Bombs, uh, target New York Nick power forwards? I think that's a pretty solid idea, actually. Some you supply could demand. Swap out for like a Julius Randle type. I mean, even if they just got Todd Gibson, I think that would be yeah, Todd Gibson know, and Bobby solid. Portis. I think would give them a little bit of a defensive, not not edge, but I would say it would shore up their defensive front court. Yeah, you know, and then Taj hopefully you know, can shoot corner threes. Portis can shoot can, threes. Give them the crazy maybe, eyes. Yeah, maybe if they can get Whiteside going a little bit, maybe like Todd Gibson can be like a Hassan Whiteside whisperer. And then it's like, <laughs> if you got those three guys kind of honing down your interior defense, it's not a bad way to go. Then you don't have to play Hazonia at power forward, which seems like the weirdest thing to me. <laughs> like, I don't get that guy. Speaking of not getting things, so James Harden's averaging like 37 points per game right now. <laughs> And he's yeah. doing it shooting his, like, career low in three-point percentage, which is insane to me. Um, but even yeah, more it's telling. weird that his shooting has been so off. Uh, it's almost like he inherited, like, Westbrook's uh, shooting. In percentages, yeah. <laughs> while also, I mean, he looks better, uh, like, defensively, mm-hmm. like, this season. So it's like he picked up, like, both the good and the bad from Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I don't think people would have expected that. Like, such a sharp decline in, in a three-point percentage. Like, I don't know if it was too many one-legged step-back threes or... Like, uh, it seems so crazy to me because, I mean, he was pretty... He's been a couple three-point contests over the years and got, you know... I'm not exactly sure what his career three-point numbers are, but definitely above 23% last time I looked. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, here, I'll just pull it up real quick. James Harden. All right. Basketballreference.com. His career three-point percentage is about 36%, which is pretty much probably like a hair above average. Um, yeah. You know, guys like Steph, you're looking at north of 40, probably not going to dip down below 38. So Harden pretty much bang on average. It's just the fact that he shoots a shit ton of them by volume. Um, which he's still doing. Like he's actually shooting more threes this year, 
than at any point in his career. He just started so it's going like in. A bigger, yeah, exactly. He's basically cold uh, from the outside. So, which is kind of I scary because if the if like two more of those fall, he's averaging over forty points a game. Yeah, I mean the weird thing is like I mean you just said it, he was like he's averaging thirty six, thirty seven points a game, which would also be a career high if he kept that up, which is fucking insane. So basically, he's not efficient scoring almost 40 imagine if he was just ha- like closer to his efficiency over the kind of the last two years and it's like holy shit he could legitimately be scoring like 40 in a game right now which is definitely uh what mvp <laughs> finally mvp for him right i mean it's just i mean he's already got an mvp and now he's uh with an mvp and uh it just sucks that their defense is so unbelievably shitty yeah, that's the funny part to me, too, because we kind of had, like, the whole narrative of, like, oh, they got P.J. Tucker and Clint Capella, and they can switch on everything. And Yeah, but Capella's just been a ghost, man. Yeah, I mean, he's gotten the white side is, bug. Ever, ever since that dude signed his contract, I mean, you can't you can't put him in a fucking small ball lineup in, in the playoffs. That was evident every year they played Golden State. He got his ass kind of handed to him by Rudy Gobert in the Utah-Houston series of the last couple of years. And now regular season, it's like he's not even getting the, the pick and roll. Yeah. You know, just kind of... And, I mean, they, and they, I mean, they need him. Just like from an interior defense point of view, I mean, they're giving up like 120 points a game. I mean, Yeah. That's pretty, pretty, pretty freaking bad. I can get why some of the, some of the reason like on the offensive end, at least it's like if you have Westbrook out and Capella out at the same time, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. For the rest of your guys, you know, the Harden and Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker and, you know, Danielle House and whoever. But like defensively, it's like, wouldn't you want like a seven footer, at least somewhere near the paint, like at any time in a basketball game? <laughs> and I just apparently not. I mean, yeah, I just, I, I genuinely cannot. I don't know. It's not even just like yeah. it's bad. It's just it's like almost to the like why are they even bothering? The type enigma. Of like, yeah. It's just I mean I I've seen some games where they where they were playing like um oh fuck which team was it that they like had that was it was it the Wizards? Yeah, it was, it was like a hundred fifty to like hundred fifty five or something. Yeah. There's some something absolutely ridiculous for like a four quarter game. I, but then it's like they give like fucking a hundred and like twenty points up to like the Bulls and like the Grizz and it's like Jesus guys come on can you like like the fucking Pelicans like they've had a relatively easy schedule so far outside of uh, they played the Bucks on opening night and I think they played uh, they played somebody in the East I think they played well. Philly right might have been Philly I want to say it's like. It's somebody else also in that like top top five top six in the East, but they haven't really played anybody in the West uh, that I can remember. I don't think they've played the Clippers. I don't think so. They might have, but I mean, basically, what I'm saying is, out of the their first ten eleven games, they've had it pretty fucking easy. And I mean, their record is you know basically reflecting that. I think they're like seven and three. But uh, I mean, what the fuck happens when they face like uh, Anthony Davis or? Um, you know, Kawhi or, you know, guys who are very efficient and also high volume at scoring. Yeah. And like unstoppable at the same time. Like 
Yeah, I'm I'm I don't know. We still got time for that mid-season Daryl Morey pickup that's just like, oh, this was the exact right thing. Like, we all knew Gerald Green would be perfect for this team. Or we all knew Daniel House would come from the G League and, and kill everybody. So, <laughs> I mean, we still got time for that to happen. And uh, I guess that leads me into, you know, maybe that's a little bit of a lackluster surprise. But some of the more upside surprises i guess have been some of these teams that people kind of counted out or had a little bit underrated and now that we see that they're actually pretty solid teams uh, biggest one for me right now that i think that the collective nba is underrating is the boston celtics currently so they are on an eight-game win streak, which is currently the longest win streak of Kemba Walker's career. Yeah, they lost on opening night to Philly and haven't lost since. So for yeah. basically three weeks now, they have been winning every fucking game. Yeah, I was watching, of course, the Dallas-Boston game the other night, and uh, they just looked so much more uh, professional and uh, sort of very purposeful. You know, uh, especially closing out that game when it was like a 10-point game with like five minutes left and like Dallas got it to within six and then Boston put it to 14 and then it went back down to six. And handling Luka, I mean, they were throwing two people at him like the whole game. And I mean, Kristaps had a really fucking awful game. Oh, yeah. But uh... (laughs) did you watch like the whole game? I didn't watch the whole thing. Okay, so I got back uh, like basically like five minutes before like the game started so like at the very beginning i think like boston got out to like eight zero kind of run like just to start out the game it was like eight zero and then basically from then on that was basically the game it was always kind of like between like five and like 11 point lead for boston and they just kind of held on for like the entire game which is really weird to watch in the context of like how many threes like teams just jack up you just expect like at some point like a six point swing kind of just like happens right uh but it was like they weren't they they could never put dallas completely away which is why like lucas still had like some chances there at the end but at the same time it was like they just kept holding the mavs back just enough to not have to like you know go into like third gear yeah, and I'll agree. It was a little bit of a uh, whistle-blowy game. I mean, it felt like there was just a ton of fouls for no particular yeah. reason. Uh, but I think on sort of the flip side of that, the Luka being the ple- pleasant surprise of the season, I mean, he's averaging LeBron James numbers, 27-7-7, literally. Like, oh, LeBron. Yeah. yeah, he's actually LeBron, but in like a 6-7 body and with like weird step-back threes. Um, yeah, like, he's got kind of the... Uh... The body of Harden with the, I guess, stats of LeBron. Yeah, he's like he's like the, the game style of Harden with like the mindset of LeBron, but not the uh, physicality there. He's more of like the, uh, I don't know who's like. Yeah, I'm not sure who to really compare him to physically, but I mean. Well, Harden's dude's... pretty close because he's got, he's got kind of that like, that, that like 
he's, you know, he's not like, he's not like ripped and he's not like flat, right? Like, like Harden actually has like a legit, like kind of belly, like a beer belly almost. Like you can tell like that dude definitely Strip likes to, belly. Like, yeah. fucking drink. And so does like, you can kind of fucking tell from like Luca. and man, I'm just so hyped for whenever the, like the Mavs are going to play fucking Sixers at some point. Like yeah. fucking Ben Simmons versus like Luca is going to be amazing or, you know, when, or Atlanta and like, you know, just, just people just trying to throw shit at Luca and just see what they can fucking do. But uh, yeah, Boston, I mean, defensively, like, holy shit. Like they're actually really fucking good. Yeah. Right. I mean, I still don't really know how they stop like the, the, the huge like physical guys, like uh, Giannis, Kawhi, LeBron, Anthony Davis, like those kind of types. Uh, But in terms of perimeter defense, I mean, Jesus, like watching fucking like LeBron Miami Heat era in mm. terms of just like the front court is so set that it doesn't fucking matter what they're doing in the back. Yeah, that's a, that's a solid point there. I'm more impressed by, I think. And maybe I'm not surprised, but it seems like Kemba has kind of fit in without a hitch. Um, which maybe we were all predicting with the whole Kyrie thing, but it feels like just the whole team vibe is just a little more on the same chord than the uh, Kyrie days. Is this uh, Kemba's greatest team? Greatest NBA team? Yeah, probably. I mean, is it, is it too early to say three weeks in, this is the best team he's ever been in in the NBA? Uh, we'll leave that question for our Kemba fans in the audience. Uh... <laughs> because the Hornets are not as bad as, as you and I actually thought. Like, you and I thought Hornets were going to be, like, one of the two worst teams in the league, and they are not. They might actually make the playoffs. I can't, yeah. I, like, I can't fucking believe that. I was right about P.J. Washington, though. Like, he was actually a really good player. Imagine uh... Boston-Charlotte as your 1-8 matchup. Yikes. Yeah, they, the uh, Kemba tribute video that they played before the uh, Charlotte game was actually pretty nice too. Oh, as they should. I mean, he's the most important. I think he's the most important Hornet of the 21st century. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's that's a very agreeable statement. So another team that uh, we're sleeping on as a collective NBA media market is uh, Toronto, because they just beat the Lakers without Kyle Lowry. And, like, uh, Serge Ibaka, right? Yeah. So, pretty fucking wild there. Uh, they have their uh, new Siakam guy already. <laughs> Another lanky black dude from Africa. That he, he had some crazy highlight where he, like, blocks, like, LeBron, does, like, a fast break dunk, and then blocks AD and gets, like, another <laughs> fast break dunk. I'm like, wow. What a dude. God, I fucking love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so pretty fucking crazy that you beat the Lakers without Lowry or Ibaka, honestly. Like, pretty wild, especially since the Lakers are top of the West. Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually like, I mean, I think you and I still had the Raptors like making the playoffs and you know, kind of, uh, in that tier right below like Milwaukee, Philly, of like. All right, we can pretty much lock them in into making the playoffs. They probably just won't finish like top two, but I mean, who knows? They might actually be able to give, uh, you know, Milwaukee and Philly like yeah. a little bit of a run here. Um, I, I don't know if this is just 
good vibes. You know, you won the fucking title, and now, you know, you got the whole uh, nobody believes in us, everybody's against us, you know, everybody thought it was just Kawhi type shit, so, like, it brings the team to kind of together. Like, it's... Uh, it's it's kind of like sometimes what we see with like um a team where it's like they lose like their star player, and like the team just kind of like rallies a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's not quite like that, but it's kind of got that little bit of a vibe where it's like nobody believes in the Raptors because Kawhi left, but then it's like oh wait they're actually not as bad as we thought, and it's like when you kind of put it back into like context, it's like oh yeah this is actually the greatest period in Raptors history where like they have made a conference finals like in 2016 and you know apart from a few lebronings like they were pretty much always knocking on the door in the east like for the past half decade yeah and i think another part two to that is siakam has a legitimate chance to win most improved player consecutively uh and his mvp odds moved to like uh like 50 to 1 yeah so he's really stepping in to fill that Kawhi void in a pretty interesting way. I mean, he's a pretty unique. Uh, he's pretty, got a unique game. I'll, I mean, yeah. I'll give you that. It's like it's like it's like he's got the body of like Jeremy Grant with like Russell Westbrook style athleticism. Yes. he's like super tall and lanky, but he just kind of drives really hard to the bucket. Like he doesn't. I mean, as far as I can tell, he does not really have any range outside of, like, like a spot-up corner three. But yeah. he's very good at driving to the basket. So, I don't know, maybe that's more like Giannis, where it's like... Uh, yeah, I would say it's a little more giannis but not so much overpowering as it is just pure linkiness. Yeah, it, it's like when he drives, he's not trying to, like, bulldoze in, like, a LeBron kind of way. It, it's like he's trying to sidestep it. I don't know. It's a little bit more silky, I would say. Very, very cool guy, though. Um, speaking of cool, uh, Phoenix has been pretty much red hot with uh, Ricky Rubio looking like the better deal of the uh, Mike Connolly trade so far. Yeah, it seems to have really unlocked Devin Booker's game. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like, oh, shit, if you take the ball away from Devin Booker being a, a selfish prick. Yeah. Oh shit, you might actually be able to get somewhere. Maybe if you don't get double teamed in pickup games, you can actually get somewhere. <laughs> I mean, it's actually kind of unreal because right now, uh, Devin Booker is like, I mean, this is obviously like very early, three weeks in, 10 games, and uh, he's averaging like a 50 50 90. <laughs> I have no idea if that's sustainable at all, but if it is, I yeah. mean, fucking kudos on getting Ricky Rubio if Devin Booker ends the season with a 50 50 90. And they don't even have, you know, DeAndre Ayton back because he's still on suspension for a diuretic. Yep. So, like, even more props to them. And they basically took Steph Curry out of the league. And Rubio's had, like, some crazy-ass stat line of, like, 23-7-7 and the other day with, like, uh, three out of four threes. Like, why couldn't he do this in Utah, please? <laughs> I mean, it, it is. It is. Because it's just, like... What he had with Donovan Mitchell was a shooting guard, and what he has with Devin Booker is also a shooting guard. And I mean, granted, Devin Booker probably has better, uh, like outside range, but obviously he's smaller. Um, but it's like Devin Booker is above fifty percent from threes, 
I just I can't even put that into context. I mean, we can't we can't undermine the importance of Frank the Tank on this team, though. I mean, being able to. <laughs> pop screens for threes all day long has really opened up the floor even more than what they had. That's true. And uh, KO is actually like the second most important guy on this team that's not an all-star. And so uh, I have the Suns uh, schedule up and their next three games, they have like a three-game homestand. Super interesting. The Lakers tonight. Uh, Then the Hawks uh, on Thursday. And then Boston, like, in about a week. So they have the Lakers, Atlanta, and Boston all coming into uh, Phoenix. Obviously, Lakers and Celtics are basically top of their respective conferences. Uh, and then the Hawks are basically... A playoff lock I mean, if, for if the anybody, East. If anybody could get into, like, a shooting duel with Devin Booker and keep up, it'd be Trey Young right now. Very good. This week will be the like the ultimate tell if they're actually for real, right? I'm just saying, Lakers, Boston, and Atlanta, three different teams, like in terms of like style of play, right? Like Boston is a little bit more like team oriented, defensive minded. Atlanta is like very like run and gun, and then the Lakers are basically just um, we got two guys. How are you going to beat our two guys type of team? So it's like if they can figure out how to play those three styles. I mean, we got to say, like, maybe maybe this is the year that, that uh, Devin Booker Phoenix team finally makes it to the playoffs. Props to all of our Phoenix boys. I know we've got a lot of you in the in the fan mail. You want us to talk about the Suns more. So there you go. What else is on your mind? What's 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 been your first impressions of the first three weeks? So we did we did like a 10 day or a 12 day or something like that. So. Now that we're like 21 days in to the season. Um, I guess I'm a little upset at some of these like, you know, uh, particularly with the Clippers and this per- this like continual nagging Kawhi injury of his quad that was obviously his problem in that last year in San Antonio, like his problem in Toronto and now it's still his problem in uh, L.A. So, you know, we had this little bit of a scuffle in terms of PR with Doc saying things like Kawhi's totally healthy, it's fine, all this jazz, and then he got fined from the league, but then the league's okay with him sitting out games because he's on knee load management or whatever. Uh, it's a little disheartening from a fan perspective because – there's been a couple national televised games where Kawhi has set out, which is obviously very shitty for ratings. Um, but I think it's even more upsetting from the fan perspective because he looks so much fucking better this year in terms of just game style. Um, so that's been probably one of my biggest bummers. Um, at the same time, uh, in a more particular example, I really enjoyed the Utah Bucks game from, I think it was almost five days ago now. Came down to a uh, Giannis fouling out with like two minutes left in the game and uh, Bogey hitting like a crazy uh, three to, you know, seal the game at the end. Like that was a fun game to watch right there. Uh, It was nice because Mike Conley finally figured out how to use himself, how to shoot a basketball, at least in the first half. 
Uh, and then I think my other big takeaway has been, I for some reason I keep watching Dallas games, and like Luca looks like <laughs> a legitimate like all star. Like he looks like a dude meant to play basketball. Like he's he just takes over games by himself. Like and and he does this crazy like so much high IQ shit in terms of he's always coming off the screen making like the right opposite corner pass. Like I'd say the dumbest stuff he does is like maybe his step back threes complains about fouls too much. Um, obviously Porzingis is definitely not a hundred percent. I think that's can be pretty much cemented by now, but man, he just looks like his confidence level and his like IQ is just like shot up two steps from last year. Yeah, sometimes when he plays, he just has these, like, I don't know, like, flex in a game. Like, he just has these, like, it's, like, a good two minutes. He'll just be, like, unreal on the floor. You know what I mean? It's just, like, a two-minute stretch out of his, like, usual, like, 35 minutes. You know what I mean? It's, like, just here and there. He just, like, really goes up, like, a huge level. And to the point that, like, he's basically changing the gravity of the, the court. Like, everybody's just so focused on him. And then it's like he just dumps the pass off to like some dude with like a weird like, uh, you know like like uh, across the court pass. And then it's like, oh, that dude's open. And it's like, yeah, because everybody was on defense was like just watching him. And it's like, you know, like Dallas isn't even like a good like like uh, like three point shooting team, but he just somehow manages to like get everybody to, to focus in on him so much that it actually kind of makes guys open. Um, it's not that like they're open. It's that like he kind of forces them to be open by moving around the defense, which is, yeah, you know, not too yeah. many guys like can do. So yeah, definitely very high praise for that man. Uh, two, I got two like Woj bombs for you here <laughs> to kind of wrap us up. So uh, a couple hours ago, Woj bombed us that Paul George will make his debut during the Houston game on Wednesday and New Orleans on Thursday. Uh. George still deciding on which game to to uh, be his first game. Oh, if he's smart, he should do the uh, the Pelicans game. Yeah, but you know that Houston game could be pretty spicy with you know him leaving and then Westbrook leaving. I mean, you got some you got some tensions going on there. Some aggression could see like a triple double game for Westbrook again. I don't know because remember you also have Patrick Beverly on that team and Westbrook, Westbrook and it's like Houston. It's There's like, a lot of tension there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and one more Woj bomb for you here. Well, it's actually a Shams bomb. I don't know what we call Shams bombs. Uh, anyways, it's uh, Victor Oladipo has now playing for the G League affiliate Fort Wayne Ants as he rehabs his knee injury. Uh, currently no timetable on the return, however. I would be surprised if we saw Oladipo before January. Yeah, like, it feels real I, bad, I don't it? expect to see him for the rest of the calendar year. Um, because also it's like, it's the East. I mean, the East is already kind of shaking out to kind of where we thought, where the top six sort of teams that we kind of thought would be at the top of the East are basically at the top of the East already. Um, with the Pacers basically falling into that, like, four, five, six range. So, I mean, if they just kind of hold down the fort until he's ready to go and then hope that maybe the seating breaks in their favor a little bit where 
you know, they don't get matched up with like, um, I don't know, like a Miami in the first round. Um, then they should be all right. So I, I, I think they've, they've also kind of got Malcolm Brogdon who, I mean, I would say Malcolm Brogdon does not look great, but I would say he looks very Malcolm Brogdon-y where it's like, you, you just kind of got the efficient, uh, point guard. I mean, that's just basically what he brings to the table. It's just like an efficient point guard, right? It's kind of like uh, when you when you have like a in the NFL, right? You have like these uh, what do they call them? Like game manager kind of quarterbacks. Yeah. It's like you don't expect your quarterback to like go out and you know be like Patrick Mahomes, but it's like if you give him a decent defense and a decent running back and uh, everything else, and it's like your quarterback doesn't have to be like fucking Tom Brady. It can just be like. Um, you know, like an Alex Smith. And I think that's basically what they have in Brogdon until, like, they get a Ludibo back. They got basically a a point guard who knows what he's doing. <laughs> I got two more Shams bombs for you. Oh, boy, man. Just just killing me over here with the Shams. Yeah, yeah. So, we, so they're both about Houston. So one is uh, Eric Gordon needs surgery on his knee that will sideline him for at least <laughs> one month. Uh <laughs> Hasn't oh, had the surgery yet, but it looks like he'll be out for um, you know, a month, two months kind of deal. Yeah. So obviously, you know, that's kind of their premier three point shooter, I guess, in terms of uh like Clay Thompson. Well, he, was their, he was their bench leader because basically with Westbrook coming in, uh they moved Daniel House to starter and then Gordon on the bench. That way they could basically always have two out of three for Harden, Westbrook and uh Right. So a little bit, a little bit of a hit to them. So, and he's also like a pretty solid defender too. So, uh, those points per game is going to turn up, as well as uh, that means Harden's going to like just jack up more shots, dude. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so one more Houston bit of news here. So, as a continuation of the China shenanigans <laughs> that have been going on. League sources say the Rockets have lost more than $7 million in revenue this season from the China debacle and nearly $20 million overall when uh, examining multi-year deals. You know what? I know exactly how they get all their money back on that one. So the city jerseys for Houston in the last few years have been like Chinese-oriented. Just fucking stop doing it. Let's just fucking choose a different nationality. For their city jerseys. Yeah, I don't see why we don't do like the the Cuba style jerseys for the Houston Rockets. That'd be pretty cool. Fucking Poland. Let's just let's just. Now you got to stick with the communist banner. So you got to go to Cuba, or you got to go to Russia. I mean, obviously, those are your two choices. What if they do socialism? They can go to Venezuela. Might be a little bit of a hard sell right now when people are eating dog shit for breakfast. But uh, maybe you could just hand them out for free. I'm just saying, if you're Houston, your opportunity is pivot from China and just go after like the Indian market. You got a billion fucking people in India. Could you imagine? There's a shit ton of Indian people that live in Texas. Uh, just just fucking like come up with like India city jerseys. Indian market I'm has sure been their next push. Find, yeah, I'm sure they could find some uh, connection to something in India that ties as to why Houston has been forever linked to India for the past like thousand years. I'm sure they can find some bullshit excuse uh, on like a Reddit like somewhere. 
I'm just saying the opportunity is there. Yeah, no, it, to- it totally is. I think the Indian market is an untapped fountain of shit that we could use. Uh, you know, as, as we don't we don't have enough Indian representation in the league. All right, I'm about like to Google it right now. Office. India, Houston Rockets, and let's just see what the first thing that comes up. All right, not much. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough one. You put a new game there though over the preseason. India's got arenas, right? They they can they can host a basketball oh, they always, game. They can always fucking build them. Um, yeah, just you know, enslave the population for it, but that's okay. And you you know what they should do is they should just pivot to like Japan instead of China, and then get a whole nother <laughs> like Chinese Japanese war going on. Oh, good God! <laughs> uh, what if they went after Canada? They were just like, fuck it, we're just going to go after Canada. Like, we're Trudeau's team. <laughs> Could you imagine? Like, what if what if they were, like, talking to Drake and they were like, Drake, why don't you ditch the Raptors? Why don't you become, like, Houston's, like, ambassador to Canada? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Aren't they, like, the closest ones to Mexico out of all the NBA teams? Um, I don't think so. Because, like, I know they've been talking about doing games in Mexico City for, like, you know, summer games and things like that. Pretty like, sure San Antonio would be closer to Mexico, but, I mean... Yeah, but who fucking cares I'd have about to actually San Antonio? Pull the map. I mean, I'd have to actually, like, pull up a map just to make sure. Um, I mean, hell, even L.A. might be closer. Or, like, Phoenix. Oh, Phoenix might be closer. I mean... Mm, Phoenix is, like, northern Arizona. No, it's not. Wait, what am I thinking of? The Grand Canyon? I don't. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Whoops. And there's your geography lesson for today, folks. Like Phoenix is like, I mean, it's not like in the. I think it's like just about in the middle. It might be even like a little just off center of the middle. Um, let's see. Yeah, probably San Antonio would probably be the closest. Mm-hmm. Maybe Phoenix. Maybe LA. I don't know. Maybe we'll make it a we'll make it a a fan bag. Sorry, fan mail mailbag. I'm tired. Yeah, and speaking of tired, we're going to wrap up this uh, episode of Heart in the Paint podcast. Of course, we always do appreciate you guys, uh, you know, uh, whether you like to like, comment, subscribe, you know, give us a follow, a shout out, spread the good word of the good faith of Heart in the Paint, as well as any questions or comments you may have. You can just leave them or you can put them in the email as always, we do appreciate your time spent with us on this wonderful Tuesday. And uh, again, special shout out to our sponsor of Modelo that I have thoroughly enjoyed throughout this episode. And we will catch you guys next week. For Phoenix comes back from being down in every game, but ends up on a 3-0 run to top the West. Literally the most Phoenix Phoenix that you could think of. Well, that we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>